0: Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we I would like to change what we're talking about now. We talked for a pretty long, uh, pretty large number of episodes about lambda encodings. And shockingly, I could go on about it for another <laughs> five or six, probably. Uh, but let's, let's rein it in there, and uh, let's talk about something else. So what I would like to talk about next... Is uh, meta-theoretic properties of type systems and type theories. So uh, this is a really important subject in the study of type theory and also in programming languages too. And so uh, I'd like to, in this sort of introductory episode about this, I'd like to talk about what these are, why we care about them, um, and then as we proceed, we'll we'll look at several different example properties. And talk a little bit about how they're proved and this kind of thing. Okay, so we're we're gonna leave lambda encodings behind now for a little bit, um, and switch gears and talk about meta theory. Now, meta theory. <laughs> why is it called this? Uh, what is it? Oh, basically, we're talking about proving properties about your type system, your type theory, your programming language, whatever it is. Proving some properties about it because you're designing it you know, as a language designer, you're trying to create a language for some purpose, and your design is meant to achieve that purpose somehow. And so the tools of programming languages theory and sort of um, meta-theory of type theory, these tools, there are mathematical um, approaches to establishing these properties. So you can be really confident that you got your language design correct and your language works the way you expected it would, and uh, and so you know for again a, a sort of a basic example for programming languages is um, you know type safety, and this is uh, something we should devote some time to discussing. For it makes sense for programming languages, it makes sense for type theories. Um, but just to kind of get a feel for what are we talking about when we're talking about metatheoretic properties, uh, and let's return to why we call them metatheoretic. Uh, you know, so for Java, Java is a statically typed language. And that static type system, so it's a compile time type system, it's meant to ensure certain properties of well-typed Java programs. If your Java program is uh, well-typed, then it's the intention, and as far as I recall, this is actually correct for Java. Although I don't know if there's a mach- you know a computer check proof of this fact, the intention is that uh, your program will be memory safe. It will not be able to access memory that it's um, doesn't have a legitimate reference to. You know, C of course is completely unmemory safe because in C you could do things like read a number from standard in. Cast it to a function pointer and call it. In other words, you can just take a number and you can just say, um, "Whatever is in memory at that address, let's just pretend it's a function and call that thing." You know, that's completely unmemory-safe. Uh, you know, modern uh, implementations, modern runtimes for C have various and various operating system features are in place to try to tone the madness down a little bit. Um, so there's like, a, what's it called? ASLR. I hope I got that acronym right. Address space layout randomization, or something like that. There's a technique where you you randomize the placement of code in memory to try to reduce the likelihood that um, hackers can uh, can you know understand what's happening with your code and can jump to um, random locations in it. I mean, to, to desired locations in it. Uh, so, um, there are, there are these methods that try to protect your computer system in the face of the lack of memory safety of C, but, uh, but in Java, you don't have to worry about this. The type system is there to make sure that you can't do crazy stuff like that. And that makes your programs much more well-behaved, um, reduces lots of sources of bugs, uh, And So this is a very desirable property that that your program cannot access memory, it doesn't have a legitimate reference to. Now, stating that property precisely and proving it, this is where we get these sort of tools uh, of programming languages theory. Sort of how would we actually phrase that property precisely and how would we actually give a formal proof of it so that we were very confident. I mean, a language design is the sort of thing that is worth investing quite some effort into. Now, that's I say that with a twinkle in my eye because you know there's there has been this trend in programming languages research for the past decade and a half or so to formalize all your results in a proof assistant. Now, this is really great. It, like sociologically, it's yeah, I mean, it's sort of interesting how everybody decided this was something they should all be doing. Um, I actually think they should, though people shouldn't be doing it because uh, I say that being a big, you know, trying to working to try to promote computer check proofs. But I really, I mean, I guess I should say, oh, everybody, yeah, yeah, please, please go and go and formalize everything under the sun. Your kids, you know, third grade math assignments and stuff, just. Let's get that all computer checked because that would be safer. Well, for research, you know, when you're coming with language designs for research, having computer-checked proofs of the properties of your language is pro- overkill in a lot of cases. Probably most cases, it's overkill. Um, because you're a language researcher, uh, that, where it makes sense, in my opinion, to invest a huge amount of effort, as you may need to do to prove these properties in a proof assistant, it makes sense to do that for language designs that are for real, that you're, you're really committed to, you care about, you plan for them to be in, go on in the long haul. So industrial language designs, um, that where people are, are really in, you know, committing lots of resources to them and all this kind of thing, that, that to me makes sense. Um, as hard as it might be, and again, you have to ask the, the other thing. You have to ask is, what's the cost of uh, failure of one of these metatheoric properties? How bad would it be if in Java you could just, oh my gosh, just jump to some random memory location and start doing arbitrary mayhem? Um, how how bad would that be? I mean, through through some weird you know bug that in the language design that no one thought of. Uh, it could be pretty bad, um, but in some cases maybe it's not so bad, and you don't care as much. So anyhow, despite. Uh, people's interest in formalizing the metatheory for the languages. And again, so in some cases, I think this makes sense. For researchers, if you want to flex your muscles and show that you can do it, it's hard. I mean, it's really hard. It takes a lot of effort. And there's interesting research to be done about how to make it easier. So that's all completely legit. But as far as just doing metatheory to make sure my language is correct, as a researcher, I think, you know, most of the time, uh, that's, that's... not a sensible investment. Uh, anyway, so now all my friends can throw tomatoes at me. <laughs> but so the um, so for programming languages, you know, we have some basic properties. But for type theory, we usually have essentially those same properties plus some more. Because, uh, and this is one of the things that makes the design and study of type theory type theory is interesting and harder than the design and study of programming languages and why we have fewer of them just kind of lying around, right? There's a gazillion programming languages, you know, in industry or hobbyists uh, efforts or, or uh, research or whatever but there's not so many type theories. And again, part of the reason for that is that they are harder to design because the properties we demand for them are stronger. There's more properties that need to be satisfied. And they're deeper properties than you have for programming languages and they are harder to establish. So, uh, in this section, chapter 7 of the podcast, we will look at what some of these properties are, talk about them, talk about how you prove some of them. Um, And, you know, so we'll hopefully get a deeper understanding of some aspects of type theory through that effort um, and again the connection with programming languages is, is a, theres are a lot of similar techniques that are used uh, there it's just that in type theories because I mean the main property that we that's you know the sort of the most difficult one I think and the most central one for type theory is you need to prove normalization you need to prove that your programs all terminate because if you remember, harking back to whatever chapter that was, I forgot now. Was it three about the Curry-Howard isomorphism? You know, if you're going to use the Curry-Howard isomorphism, you are you're relying on the idea that programs and proofs are identified. Constructive proofs and and uh, certain kinds of pure functional programs are identified as being one and the same, and so you need to make sure that all those pure functional programs are really terminating, so that uh, they will be logically sound as proofs. And so that means we are seeking um, this really very strong property of our language. It ensures termination. I mean, just ask yourself, you know, if I'm programming in JavaScript, does JavaScript ensure termination of all my functions? Blah, ha ha ha! Of course not. It ensures practically nothing. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, so we're asking much, much more, and we have to be prepared to invest more work and think harder and more deeply to get those properties to come out. Fortunately, um, like moths to the flame, certain very smart people out there have been attracted to this kind of problem uh, and have invented techniques that we can use to analyze uh, new language designs that we might be working on. And, and there are techniques for improving normalization. That's as one of the hardest ones. That's, that's one of the main ones we have to deal with. Um, and so... Uh, and there's others that we'll s- survey here in this chapter. We will talk a little bit about confluence. That's another important property that you see for type theories and is generally not of interest for programming languages. Um, so we'll, we'll probably but more or less look at normalization properties, confluence, uh, and type preservation, uh, type safety properties. So that's what I have planned for us for the next few episodes. And uh, with that introduction, uh, that's, I think, all I have time to talk to you about on the topic today. So I hope you have a good weekend wherever you are, and I'll pick this up again, probably starting with uh, type safety, one of the most uh, basic but still very important properties for a programming language and a type theory. Thanks for listening.